0: Hi, my name is Sokaren, and I'm one of Sokuzan's monks. Sokuzan so freely offers his love to us and his wisdom through these talks and never asks us for anything in return. If you value what he does and what he is and want them to continue, please visit our donate page at Sokukoji.org. Thank you. Good evening, or good morning, depending on where you are at, on the gigantic ball of dirt. We're here at Sokokoji Buddhist Monastery in Battle Creek, Michigan, and an unlikely place for a monastery to show up, but it did. We are endeavoring to extend out into the community, not just train monks and meditators here in the monastery and on Zoom these days, which has showed up a few years back, but also endeavoring to extend into the community a as much sanity as possible. And that's, of course, not so easy to do. A lot of resistance in uh, innumerable ways, there's resistance. So please help us do that. If you can, go to the website, Find the donate area. And if you can, if you can't, then don't worry about it. Keep going here anyway. But if you can, that's a way you can help. This evening's Dharma talk is titled, Don't Miss Your Life. And so this is something I've said a number of times. I don't know if I've actually given a talk by that title. And so it is, uh, it's, it's not completely accurate, but it is a relative way of helping you if you have ears, you're listening, to consider the way you might be missing or covering up or avoiding or moving away from the very thing that would be the fundamentally the most helpful to you to look at, to see, to receive. You could consider that. You could consider that it might be helpful to... Really look deeply into whatever is showing up in your mind stream, your life stream, in your family, at your kitchen table, with your partner, with your children, with your parents, with your society, with the whole thing. And with your mind, as you sit on the cushion or as you avoid the cushion and do something else. Run around around in more circles that are somehow soothing. Something about circularity is we, we think it's a straight line and it's actually going around and we're coming back and they're going around. Everything's doing that. So everything's analog, like a clock. Don't miss, turn away from, ignore, make excuses for or go to war with anything at all. And how you do that, if this makes sense to you, is to watch the way. We continue to do that, and it somehow has a kind of a knee-jerk quality to it, just a, a, a reaction quality. We're always reacting instead of receiving where something happens, something shows up in our mind or shows up anywhere, and we have a reaction. We'll even have conversations with each other to reinforce or somehow give val- validity to reactions instead of actually just receive it. You don't have to do anything about anything. Don't do anything unless you have to. That's another talk title. Uh, it's just another way of talking about patience. Just wait, wait a while. Look at what's happening. Rather than jump on jump on the situation with your ideas, your concepts, your conclusions, your finger pointing, either this way or this way. Don't miss your life. Dependent origination. Everything is dependent on anything. Any separate separate thing is dependent on everything else for its singularity. That singularity is mistaken for otherness, for duality, for the reality of, for the, um, um, for relative truth. All of the po- polarized aspects of life and consciousness and thinking that come and go, and quite often drive us crazy because we have conflicting emotions about everything. We don't know. Should we? Should I do this? Should I move to Vermont? Should we just stay in, stay in uh, uh, Los Angeles? And what do we do with that? Can we miss our life? How can you possibly miss your life if you're just trying to decide whether to move to Vermont or stay in Los Angeles? Because the discursive thought that is running around in circles looking for causes, reasons, conclusions. Should be, shouldn't be, and all of that is based unless you have unless you've trained your mind to see clearly. It is based on open fear, hope for something better, fear of something worse, and quite often what we do with fear is cover it up rather than just feel the fear. Not missing your life for actually, there's fear there. Receive that. Receive the difficulty that is endeavoring through dependent origination to show up in your life, in your mind stream, Just observe, just observe, just observe, receive, receive, receive. You will do less with your life. It's a way of avoiding anything that is going to cause any kind of disruption or any kind of sense of danger or fa- a possibility of failure. And well, if we did that, that might not Work. We need to think, even though our thought patterns have not particularly saved us from the negativity that arises in our life or our relationships, and so on. Very, it can be very, very difficult. You might say, "Well, if I just meditate and train my mind, and and do this, aren't I, aren't I missing my the life that I would have le- le- would have led as a as a Olympic?" Whatever you call it, or as a you know, a corporate, what do they call? What do they call people in corporations? Placebos, some kind of a bow. But we need that. We need the culture, the society. We need that operation. But for you to go into that, just like if you if you go into say the military. I deliberately went into the military because I was frightened of my life. And I thought, well, I'm terrified about what I'm going to do. So I'm going to go somewhere where I don't, don't have to think, don't have to make any decisions. I just follow the orders. And that's how I did that for four years. Not a good idea. I'm not saying that, sure, aggressors in the world, maybe we do need military stuff. That's also dependent on it. But you personally. You could actually live your life as it is being supplied to you in your brain pan, uh, at your kitchen sink, and uh, in your whatever may you may be driving, your Harley Davidson. You could receive whatever that is rather than try to go somewhere else with it. Not that you couldn't go somewhere else, but it might be good if you spent quite a bit of time just looking at that which wants to go or stay. Who is this that wants to fill this up or go there or have some kind of artificial security that, from the point of view of these teachings, is called ignorance? Does anyone feel like they're missing their life? They're missing your life. Let me see a show of feet because that's what will get you out of here. Oh, I have one foot coming towards me. <laughs> What are you missing? Success in the corporate world? Hanging out with mom? I was thinking more of uh, you know, avoiding the difficulties. Covering up, looking away from the difficulties. What are the difficulties? Not getting my way, not being lonely. Being lonely. So you would rather cover that up with what? I don't think it's a, um, a right choice. It's just is something that I continue to, I see myself looking away from. Okay, but That's awareness that you see yourself looking away from. It, that's awareness. That's not covering it up. That's awareness because you really may not have a say-so about this underlying structure of something that is dependently arisen because you can't see all the causes and conditions that bring any given situation of singularity of loneliness about. You cannot find the source of that. You can, you can go to an artificial source or to a temporary source. I'm lonely because I'm uh, in my apartment by myself. Perhaps, something like that. And, and then we go to try to do something about that, which may be just um, think about it a lot or worry about it, concern ourselves with it, continue to, continue to uh, fight with that, push it away, push it down, explain it. Push it down, aggression, explain it, justify it, validate it, get tell a story around it, passion, which seals it right off from actual introspection uh, in terms of shikintaza, or actually looking at that. Find out if there is somebody. That's one of the ploys of the self-centered aspect of the consciousness, the seventh consciousness in the Yogacara tradition, is to invent even a, even a uh, self who's, who is alone. There's, there, ultimately, there is no one who can be alone. Because there is no solid identity. So that is a a dynamic happening, coming out of fear. This is my simple description of it. Disagree. How do you see it? I can't disagree with what you described. um, The question I have would be, I think I'm observing it. But you say, if it's hanging around, I am doing something with them. Yes, you could be. If it still keeps showing up uh, at the party, in other words, still showing up, then you may want to look at it very closely so you can see, are you agreeing with it? Are you believing it? Are you disagreeing with it? Disbelieving it? Or are you trying to distract yourself from it? Those are the three poisons, and they operate in so many different ways in the mind stream. Giving, uh, giving something uh, your attention is uh, receiving is tied in with passion. So you can't, you're, you're not going to get rid of passion, aggression, and ignorance. Those are still functioning. It seems necessary that we really need to see what that is. It's, it has a kind of movement in the consciousness grasping passion rejecting aggression and distracting or turning ourselves away I can continue or I can receive some questions and work with those sir Shoto bowing. Um, earlier you were talking about um, going into the community with people that might not have um, the interest to be Yes. Trained in this way? Yes. Um, Are we still able to offer those people something that would help them not miss their life? What you need to offer people is your attention. Anybody. Just listen to people. You don't need to come in and teach them to meditate, necessarily, or teach them anything. If you really receive what someone is presenting to you then, and you've been working with your own mind in such a way that you have some understanding of who you are and what your intentions are and what your life is about for you as a, in your case, as a fully ordained monk, then perhaps the only thing you can do with that person is to not meddle with them, but don't abandon them, ask them how they're doing, and then listen, receive, receive what they say and don't necessarily jump to a conclusion of how to help them, how to fix them. You know how hard this path is. You've been on it long enough to know that just because you meditate 20, 30 hours a week, that doesn't necessarily lead to some kind of solution. It's hard work. It takes a long time. And it takes strong intention to see the truth, not intention to win or to get ahead. to uh, live with some kind of standard of sanity, which would be missing your life, living up to a standard, just like me joining the Marine Corps, Uh, instead of it being what culture wants you to think, you know, thank you for your service, no, it's like, thank you for dedicating your life to something. Which is a, which is the whole hype around the whole, that's why they're a is because people fight and they do it in the guise of what, protecting things. Go ahead, Chunchu. A question from Naveed in Iran. Should a person who is in a prison finish his years in prison or try to escape the prison? For me, living in Iran with so many restrictions feels like prison. So it sounds, sounds like a, a pretty, pretty difficult and I wish you could come in here, come here and live. It'd be great. But you're, uh, you're, you've been joining this group for a while now, Naveed, and I would say you're, you're where you're at. You can, you may be in a, uh, uh, in some ways, maybe a, I don't want to go into too much comparison, but a, a maybe not better, but as good a position uh, as anyone because everybody in, is in a prison of their own thought forms and beliefs and opinions and judgments. They might not be uh, free and well-favored in the sense that you can come and go, you can ride the subway, you can get a job, or you can be on welfare, you can, you can do whatever you want. You can live off your parents. You might be well-favored enough that, that when you hear the truth from someone who speaks out of, out of the truth, you might be well favored enough. In other words, not so confused by your culture, by your upbringing, by your what's that other thing that people are born with when they have two parents. You come from some place. Then what's that called? Come oh, on, spit it out. Heredity. That could that could take you in circles. That are where you're so tied in to the karma of your family, your culture that. You're not well favored because you know you are going to live your life the way that culture, that family, those belief systems dictate. Because it feels uh, safer to do that rather than object to anything. You don't even have to object; just object. Just look at what it is. Why would you believe anything? To believe anything, or disbelieve anything, or ignore it. Navid, not knowing. I don't know if we've ever. Talk face to face. I don't think so. But I know you show up and ask questions, and yeah, find a place to train your mind. Because of the this amazing internet and, and uh, Zoom and everything else, the technology is such that you have actually actually have access to this. Someone living in Texas actually has access to this. Someone living wherever. I'm just saying it. This is showing up, and I would say get get to the wall, sit down. All you're doing when you get to the wall isn't some kind of fancy property of Buddhism or the Buddha. It just all you're really doing is you're sitting very still. You're taking everything that's in motion, your mind, your thought forms. Everything is living the life based on hope and fear. In other words, missing the actual natural life that would. It would show up if you stopped fighting or agreeing or looking away. And how do you do that? You have to spend the next 20, 30, 40 years watching the way you keep missing your life, avoiding it, instead of looking right at it and receive it, receive it. If it shows up in your mind stream, it's supposed to be there. There's nothing to correct. This isn't something this old man just made up a few months ago. It's been around way before I got here, before, way before any of us got here. It's called The Great Perfection. That's the wisdom of, uh, of people like Longchampo, Tibetan master, meditation master. Yeah. But also like Dogen, he was saying something in his own style in a different way. Live in enlightenment. You have to first look at the confusion and not turn away from the confusion miss your life by trying to get away from confusion or difficulty or threat. I'm not saying you should hang around with somebody who's waving an AK-47. No, get out of there. Of course, those kind of things are just practical. And your situation, you could actually look that you're, you're, you're free in your mind. You may not be free to live in Iran. Is that where he's at? in Iran. That doesn't seem so good. I think it was better back in the 70s. I had a friend or a factory I worked in, Farhad Safari, who taught me a few words in Farsi, which I will not repeat and embarrass myself here today. But I remember then, he we talked a little bit about uh, the dynamic of his family over there and so on. It didn't seem like it was quite so bad back then in the 70s. I don't really know. But uh, that's what, back when I first started meditating. But you're well favored in that you hear this, not that because I'm so wonderful, but the, the Buddha's Dharma, uh, which is being presented as well as I can present it, and is being encouraged in all the book studies, but you could attend some of those. It would be a good thing to you to, for you to do is to talk to other people who are not laboring under the kind of system that you are there. And so you're free to to join. Pretty amazing. uh, You can do that from other uh, countries also, whether it's uh, oligarchy or dictatorship. And you're well-favored because you're open-minded enough. You're not clamped down on a a bunch of beliefs or ideas that keep you from investigating something else. There's nothing to believe here in Buddhism. If a a Buddhist uh, if a Buddhist practitioner says they believe in Buddhism, then uh, I'm not saying that they're wrong, but it might be a little bit off there because it's not about believing in things. Don't believe in anything. Don't disbelieve in anything. And don't ignore it. You can work on that the rest of your life without ever becoming a monk, becoming anything. Look at it. Free yourself by looking at the chains, by looking at the bars. You don't free yourself by just pretending to be free or be free. No, it's not going to work. That's a heaven uh, heaven realm or it's a realm that is artificial and comes apart and may come apart at a time where really help if you knew what it was because all you and everyone around you, you can take, take them all down because a fear comes out of nowhere when you're believing in something that is fictitious free to come to this little gathering of Sangha, or people on the spiritual path, the Buddhist path, the Buddha Dharma, and listen, participate, Sangha, for the community, even though you're there, as far as I'm concerned, uh, I'm concerned somewhat, and as far as you're concerned, you're you're free and well-favored, you're free to come here, and you're well-favored, and you consider what the teachings of the Buddha are about, either through what I'm saying, as a Buddhist Dharma teacher, or through the interaction between uh, students, and, or the book studies. Just uh, that's available everywhere, I would say. Study as much as you can. Study with Sangha. Don't read books on Buddhism all by yourself. Not that that's wrong, it's not wrong, it's just that uh, you you, come, you start to come to conclusions that you can't come to. Uh, honestly, shall we say, by reading and studying by yourself, sangha is important. teachers is important. Teaching is important, and the community is important. The three jewels: the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha. Divine, you said that uh, we avoid the thing we most fundamentally need to look at. Is that typically an emotion arising, Bali? Could be emotional, could be thought patterns around that, a combination of this and that. Thinking of the conditioning that that we were raised with, the way we were um, maybe abused or mistreated based on someone else having fear, our parents. They didn't know what to do with that fear, so they didn't want to feel fear, so they covered up with controlling others. Society does that. If you can control a lot of people, you don't have to acknowledge, Lonely you are. How fearful you are! Imagine what some of the great um, so-called leaders—the kind of fear that they're covering up by creating just incredible um, gossip, finger-pointing, and sarcasm, and so on. Is everything fundamentally self-centeredness, what we're fundamentally avoiding when we're missing our life? Is it really all just a self-centeredness, falling? It can be, but that self-centeredness is unreal. If you you can see it, if you can get it into view, then you begin to become, you could say, responsible for your neurosis, for your self-centeredness, for your greediness, for your wanting to uh, control things. Control yourself, control your family, control, control, cover up. I think I gave a talk on cover ups where I go into various ways of shutting down on missing your life again. Anyone on Zoom has a question? If you do, speak up. Or I can't see everyone on the screen because there's 35 people on there and I can't see everyone. So if you could just speak up. Uh, or you can Yes. Um, yeah. So if somebody's not doing any um, awareness practice or training their mind or just in the world of thinking of their awareness, yes, are living are they missing their life? Well, there depends on how you talk about it. We're using language, which is extremely. Uh, polarized and relative, um, they, they should be respected, we should respect people's confusion, even though it may not look like confusion to them. They want to just do this and do this and do this they, they want to be um, whatever it may be pro- be a professional golfer, or they may want to um, spend their whole life uh, producing music or producing producing not, there's nothing nothing to correct there. So we're not saying don't do that. If someone wants to do that, then they could, there's billions of people who would never come anywhere near mind training. But since you're here and for another half an hour, I'm going to talk to you about how this looks to me and what I would recommend to you if, if, you, if you have an interest and if you don't have an interest, there's no, I'm not guaranteeing you anything, I don't promise anything. You can meditate the rest of your life, and as, as the Nagarjuna said uh, a couple thousand years ago, you may awaken, you may not. Uh, the, the Buddha was also very, very direct. That's the interesting thing about great teachers, Buddhists, the Buddha himself and other great Buddhist masters. There's not a lot of double talking there about trying to control people or be right. You may awaken, you may not. And what the, what's the first thing the Buddha said? Life of suffering, you know, of course that triggers people into getting into some kind of intellectual thing because they don't realize the Buddha is speaking out of his heart. I'm not talking about the the blood pumping mechanism. Uh, Heart is just another word for heart-mind or out of complete consciousness, which can be brought together with a word like heart. He was, he was saying that that was suffering because that's basically what it is. There's all these nerve endings, and we are a living being. We're a human being. We are fundamentally is not even a human being. It's just consciousness. It may show up as a human, it may show up as a dinosaur, it may show up as a an alien life form. Not just that's what we call alien. To show up as a polar bear, polar bear. Human being doesn't have any kind of special privilege. Certainly looks like it sometimes, but doesn't. Might be that the polar bear has more, more privilege. Sometimes it's thought that the porpoise has a lot more intelligence than a human being. But I'm not going to go there, I don't particularly particularly want to go there. Um, where do I want to go? Further questions? Since die, will we know if we are living our lives? So, it's a, it's a difficult question to respond to relatively. Uh, although it, you ask me a question and uh, needs a response, and I intend to give you one, but I would say that there the kind of knowing that, like right now, you know you're a, you're a, a counselor, and you pretty much know that you're in the right job. This is a job that you want to do, that you feel like you're helping people. I, am I jumping the gun by saying that? No, yeah. and I think you're a good counselor, uh, and a good therapist, and I've had very few complaints about you. <laughs> so, but you're doing something that you, this is something you, you have a, I don't know if you call it a knack, because you also had a lot of training, but you told me that you forgot all about your training. That's one of the best things you ever said to me, because now you, you're teaching out of, you meet people where they're at, you meet them where they're at, and they know it. That's why you, you have to turn people down that want to talk to you. So going back to your question. The kind of knowing that shows up is like no one knows it. There's no one who knows that. If you realize your true nature on the path of the Buddha's Dharma, you will not realize, you will not know you're awakened. If you do, you're not awake. If you think you're awake, your nature of confusion is to think of this as opposed to that. To actually buy into the duality that the world is constantly trying to sell us a bill of goods on. Do this, don't do that. This is good. That's bad. It's not that there isn't relative truth, but it, when it comes to the nature of consciousness and the mind and an identity, this, needs, this is a spiritual path, not the mundane path of successfully attaining enlightenment, even though it's taught that way sometimes. Some Dharma teachers actually emphasize that. And if, if you prefer that, then I'm sure they'd be happy to tell you how to do it. <laughs> More? How would you characterize? How would you paraphrase what I just told you? <clears throat> Can you? There won't be anyone there to know. That. Yes, there won't be. You, you There will be awakening, and you, you will be. Your confidence will be unconditional. You won't be deb- based on anybody's opinion of you. Even if, even if there's some relative uh, accuracy in it. Like you're mean to your clients or something like that, you know, or sarcastic or or you don't have good table manners. Straighten up. It would be that kind of a thing rather than rather than some kind of deep understanding of you not being awake or something like that. Or some deep understanding of you thinking you are awake. If you think you're awake, you're not. If you think you're confused, you're not. Anytime you grasp at anything, this is called. Uh, it's an aggressive form of shutting down or ignorance. Hmm. It's like a closed fist. This is the this is the mudra that I talk about. Is this is it? Open, open open hand. Receive 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 the world. Produce nothing unless you have to. That doesn't mean don't think. It just means that when the thoughts arise spontaneously in your mind stream don't add on to them. And if you do add on to them, then just receive that. Anything that shows up, you did not do. All dharmas are without blame. This is not something I invented. It's just the truth. Anything that shows up is unproduced. Everything is unproduced. sure doesn't look that way, though. And until you see that, you will continue to believe in or think that there's a right and a wrong. Correct and incorrect, which is the mundane path of success and failure. Maui and Michelle, can you talk a little bit more about the word unproduced? A little bit. Uh, I would just say that uh, um, the, the reception part is anything that shows up, the practices is to receive whatever shows up in your life. Don't miss it. Whatever's showing up in your life, in your life needs to be there. Including your life partner, your your children, your you didn't say uh, uh, this one child is okay, but this other one, even though we have uh, laws and have all kinds of things going on these days about deciding what to do and what not to do based on some kind of right and wrong idea, it's it's uh, pretty sickening what's going on there. But if I say unproduced, I'm saying that the the way in which it is unproduced, uh, that's just a concept, is that. The way it looks like something is coming about is an illusion that, that nothing fundamentally occurs, the whole, my hand moving, waving my stick, seeing Shilker stand up because his back hurts, right? Unproduced. It's not that there isn't something occurring, but that which is occurring has no source, has no fundamental source. The attribution we we often go to is I, think this, I saw this, I did this, me, 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 me. So unproduced. If you have a, a specific question about it, I would try to respond to that. Uh, no, I just find that word a little like inspiring and I don't and or something. Oh. Uh, and. I understand. understand. It's, it's really, you know, Michelle, um, it's something to contemplate when you're doing sitting meditation is to see that what arises in the mind stream is that that's a closer to an understanding. Uh, nothing's produced because everything that arises falls away. It doesn't hang around. <clears throat> Even if you try to make it stay, it won't. Even the worst terrible feeling you had three days ago, I'm sure you've noticed, has gone away. And then the most wonderful party you went to and everybody was happy and we're all celebrating, it goes away. Nothing lasts, impermanence. And it's what quite often people cover that up so they actually miss their life. They miss this incredible situation of being a living being, where consciousness has been downloaded into you, so you temporarily have a particular life, a particular personality, a particular family, family, a particular um, mental state, however you want to describe it. All the, rel- all the relativity that shows up there. And it's that whole area is very, very complicated, and that provides more of an illusion that there's actually something to do and somewhere to go. And, something to figure out. This doesn't mean that as we go along, we aren't slowly destroying the big ball of dirt we're living on, polluting it. So the, so the, the living beings, us guys, uh, are going to come to an end. It's not, it's not uh, negative. It just looks like that's what's going to happen. Can't go on too many more years this way without Having a serious uh, consequences, just relative truth. <coughs> he, uh, Augie can tell you that, or was that other guy that knows a lot of stuff? Chisholm, where is he at? There he is. I get to pick on those guys. So we can we can figure this out, or we can calculate it. And we can come up with with conclusions that seem reasonable. We can come up with conclusions that are totally outlandish, and just don't make any sense because they're serving some particular demon, some dictator, demonic kind of uh, aspect of consciousness that is that, that wants to survive at the, at the peril of everyone, will take everyone into war, kill people. It's like my father, as I mention every now and then, because I think about him often died at 26 years old. March sixteenth, 1945, in Andernach, Germany, being shot off the back of a tank in in a war that he tried to avoid. He had to go in because there was a there was a mandatory draft then. So further questions about don't miss your life or your death. Yes. Are you saying that um, if you are not missing your life, it's the same as being realized? No. No, being realized uh, there, there, there is no life anymore. There's, 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 no, there's no singularity. You're, you're everything. You're not just a single bundle of flesh uh, living in a particular place, going from the kitchen to the pantry to find the pork and beans. No, that singularity is gone. Even though you'll still function that way, the identity is not, no longer uh, attached to that, the identity is everywhere. You, you still can reach out and do stuff, but there's no one there. There's no person here doing this. So, therefore, there's no praise, no blame. There's no success, there's no failure. That doesn't mean that if you realize your true nature, you won't be more flooded with hope and fear than you ever were. Because finally, you stop fighting your own karma. You know, whatever brought you into this lifetime, and that even got you into this particular path, just it's all dependent isn't There is no singularity anywhere called a person or a path, for that matter. But there won't be a, an individual there anymore. There never was, but there'll be no imagination. So the path, why I say don't miss your life, this is path, I'm I'm saying that so that you, in order to encourage you to train your mind to see what's true. get it from me, get it from anybody, get it from your own mind, from your own consciousness. You already are the Buddha. You're already not separate from the awakened one. I'm not the first one to say that. It's been said by many teachers down through the centuries, not all of them. There's different levels of teaching in Buddhism. More. When you were answering Senshu, you said there won't be anybody to know whether you're missing your life or not. So is there some kind of not um, attaching to self when there's not missing your life? Yeah, you you could say the path is to see, if I say don't miss your life, then you might look and say, am I missing my life? You might not agree, or you might disagree, or you might say, well, maybe a little bit, or I need to think about that some more, just like, uh, unproduced. Uh, but Michelle is considering that or something about that is engaging. And it is, if you, if you look at production and the lack of production, so it brings about a, a deeper understanding of the way consciousness works to you, not just because you understand Schrodinger's cat. Or some kind of fancy idea that Dan Lusthaus has about Shunyata or emptiness. You, you're actually beginning to look at, at the at how consciousness is working in your own mind, and then the success, uh, failure, right and wrong, insight, no insight, uh, Buddha's sentient beings, and all the life and death. All of those those polarities start to show up as unreal. But that's that's a That's a structure that shows up, just like past and future, unreal. You can go back to the past in your mind, and you can go ahead to the future in your imagination. But those are not two different directions. They're both imaginary. You You can't leave this present moment. And even this present moment is a myth. How is it a myth? I don't know. I knew, I'd tell you, but it's unreal. If you don't exist, then I don't exist for you. In this and so it's quite a free situation happening. I, I wouldn't get to uh, I wouldn't get think about that too much. But just look, just watch what moves and don't add to it. Watch what moves and no comment. And if you notice there's a lot more room if you watch what moves and you don't you don't make any determination or judgment about anything. That's the practice. Watch the movement. Don't conclude. And then there may come a conclusion, but that conclusion will come out of dependent origination rather than yours or my dumb ideas about stuff about how things should be and how things could be or planning for the future, so to speak. This doesn't mean we shouldn't plan a meal or plan our education. Go ahead. Is it possible to get comfortable in the midst of our meditation practice and miss our life? The way you're asking the question, yes, yeah, so you, you can actually, uh, there's some kind of a way station as you practice. You can actually work with your mind in such a way that you find a way of working with the mind that's more comfortable. So you can kind of solidify that that area. You can go into a, a state. Some I don't I don't necessarily accuse anybody of going into the Jhana States as a hideout, but I wouldn't say it's exactly connecting with the world to be in the Jhana State. So I don't teach that. I also don't if someone en- enters that kind of situation, come and tell me about it. We'll talk about it. Or maybe we'll start a club, people in the Jhana State. More? Is there some indication that we're doing that? This is why it's necessary to have a teacher and a teaching and a community, or in our case, a 2,500 years, year, year tradition of the Buddha, the enlightened one, the one who was no longer at war with anything, including himself. There really wasn't any himself, there was just the truth, and he spoke it. And then the teaching everything is dependently arisen, nothing comes from its own side as an independent being or entity. That's the illusion, part of the illusion. And everything is in a state of distress or dissatisfaction or suffering. More. If things aren't particularly difficult at the moment, am I missing something? No, I wouldn't say so. How the path shows up for each person is going to be just quite a bit different. In ancient times it was more more regulated or more almost almost a militant kind of thing, especially out of ancient Japan, Korea, a lot of a lot of control happening. Not wrong. The the uh, positive uh, outcome of that kind of tradition down through the through the centuries, through the millennia, is Buddhism is still here. There's still living teachers. I met a couple of them, and without those, without that warm hand, a warm hand, without a living teacher, pretty hard to read a book on Buddhism, even by uh, a great teacher, just a book alone. You need to meet them. I'm not saying that you have to meet them these days. I think Zoom is pretty good. You can meet on Zoom, possibly. I don't know. Seems like you can. Sir, are there questions on? Uh, there's 37 people. I don't know if there's 37 people because uh, I don't know. But there, are there any questions on Zoom that I'm someone that I might be missing that has a question I can respond to? Isaac, you have no questions. That's unusual. Taylor. Go ahead. Have you ever noticed yourself? Your life? Have I ever noticed myself? What? Messing my pants? Missing your life? Oh. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I heard you the first time. I just thought things were getting a little too serious there. Uh, yes, that's how I got here. That's how I got to this because I was, as I think I said earlier, I, I when I was eighteen, I got out of high school and I, I just could not stand to go. I wanted to go to the Art Institute of Chicago, but I was just too terrified about being a failure and not knowing. And knowing even uh, I was 18, I knew that I was immature. I knew that I was not able to make, uh, in those days they called them choices, about knowing what the hell to do with myself. So I needed some form, and then one of the reasons this monastery is here, because three blocks away is where I made the decision to go into the, go into the Marine Corps at a high school here. 1959, and that's what I did. And what it might have been better uh, if I had had the opportunity to walk three blocks and come into a different kind of discipline rather than just uh, training to learn how to murder fellow humans based on some kind of political baloney. And that's why I was asking for help. But it doesn't It's not going to take a lot. It's just going to take all you got. A million dollars. Yes, anybody got a million (laughs) dollars? Tell me. I promise I won't tell any. (laughs) So, the idea there is uh, as far as missing my life, yes, I, I started out that way. And I was in the process of missing my life even more by reading all kinds of books on meditation and thinking I knew what I was talking about and preaching to other people. I did that for about 12 years. And I was just lining my own uh, bread pan there, uh, cooking up my own ideas about me and what I knew and how I understood what Jiddu Krishna Murthy said more than anybody else and, until I met my teacher. And that ended that. And That was uh, Chogyam Trungpa Rinpoche in 1973. Had I not met him, um, I might you know, kept spinning in circles. I don't think I would have lived very long. There's too much self-hatred here. Just difficult. And everyone has different kinds of difficulty and uh, sitting practice of meditation will help you at least be honest with yourself about it because you're looking at it every day. You sit down, hold still and l- watch what moves. And, uh, it doesn't matter how you feel. What matters is, are you going to practice or not? It's not important to feel good. If you have a meditation where every time you meditate, you feel good, uh, you are doing this incorrectly, at least the shikandaza. The is is, uh, is like an excavator. It goes down and digs into the, the deep layers of karma that are way beyond this lifetime. How do I know that? I don't know. I have no proof. I don't need proof. I'm looking at it. I'm looking at it. So don't don't believe what I'm saying. Consider it. Yes. So you have said previously that nothing has changed. I am. So where where, or what is that self-hatred? Self-hatred is still there. There's just no self. So nothing happened. Because there never was a self. Self is unreal. Everyone here who thinks, if you think you are somebody, this is unreal. You don't have to get rid of an ego. It's unreal. Uh, traditionally, uh, the, the sadhana of Mahamudra that Trungpa Jay wrote in 1968 is uh, that it is vividly unreal in emptiness, yet there is still form. It's vividly unreal. It's like a dream, a nightmare, it's vividly unreal. It's not just kind of unreal, it's vividly unreal. It's like Shakespeare, right in your face. You're in the front row, rest of your life. Just stay off the stage. Still form, there's still this strange thing that seems so real that is unreal, yes. You're So we study here 12 times a week or yes. somewhere in that? Area. Um, and I think you just talked about studying on your own for 12 years. Um, how is. Before how, I met my teacher. Yeah. So, how was that missing your life by studying on your own? Well, I didn't have a teacher. And I. So, I probably wasn't exactly. I was looking, I was searching, searching for some something I could that would help me because I was so nuts, so crazy, so confused, so, 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 suffering, suicidal. Yes. Yomamit, are you saying that you were uh, trying to do this on your own without the help of a teacher then? I didn't didn't know, yeah, that's what I was trying to do. Is that what's in your life then? But you can you can break it down into parts where oh this i missed my life here until i just and then i started not missing my life so it's uh, I, I didn't learn that teaching from trumpa he might have said something that meant kind of the same thing but that's something that shows up for me that, that if you if, you've, if you if you don't train your mind then you just go in circles that not evil you might be in the god realm you might have uh, perfect health for 85 years and pass away peacefully and have a wonderful spouse and, and supportive and loving children who are healthy and get perfect SAT scores, as I use all the time. So they're just great. Everything's going, what is, what is everybody having such a hard time for? You know, just live like the Hendersons. So there are people who live that way and it's dependent. It isn't, it isn't like they, they're good or there's some kind of wonderful thing that they did three lifetimes ago, necessarily. It's dependently risen. There's no way, when you have billions and billions of people, you're bound to have some people that just take up space and eat. Wrong? No, it's not wrong. More about that? So you may have to, it may take a while before you uh, if, you have, if you're free and well-favored, you're well-favored in that you stumble into, I feel very well-favored to, as insane as I am, is to stumble into uh, the teachings of the Vidyadhara, Chogyam Trungpa Rinpoche, and be not so locked down in my own insanity, or wanting to do it my way, that when I met him, uh, uh, it was uh, choiceless for me. I didn't make a choice about it. It was choiceless. It was just like, was just choiceless. To be a student of his. I never even asked him. I just was. I I'd never even occurred to me to ask him. I, I just knew I had to I had to meet him and I had to study under him. There was no choice there. I think if you have thousands of people that were students of his that met him or knew him personally that lived with him, everyone would have a different story to tell about that. One of the things that seemed to happen a lot uh, that a lot of people agreed upon is that when when he walked into a room, everybody's mind came to a halt and that you could say, well, that's probably because they were afraid of him well, probably because I certainly was. You can tell a quick story uh, a fellow uh that uh, this is back uh, somewhere about nineteen seventy six uh, in uh Dharmadhatu in Chicago. Um, I've, some of you have heard this before, but it's an interesting story. Uh, and Trungpa was more casual in those days. He wasn't standing back with all of his Dorje Kasung and uh, people standing in front of him so you couldn't get to him. And so I'm standing there with Roger Dodds, who was a member of Dharmadhatu in Chicago. It was about 1976, I would say, 75, 76. And we're both looking out at the traffic. We're on the second floor. I think it was on State Street, we're looking down and we're just not very far apart, you know, maybe you know, one person. And then unexpectedly, J uh, stood in between us and he had been giving interviews and suddenly was wandering around probably, I don't know what he was wondering. We just kind of, we both looked, I looked, and I was uh, terrified because I felt, like, I felt like he was reading my mind, which he was not. You didn't have to read it, and my mind was laying all over the place, obvious to anybody. But the, the part I wanted to repeat is just because it's so characteristic of Rinpoche. Uh, and uh, Roger, you'd have to know Roger, he had a, at the time he had a Ph.D. in philosophy and was quite a talkative fellow. And uh, also extremely smart. So and was quite proud of his intellect and his ability to explain Schopenhauer to everybody. So, uh, he said, "I'm I'm pretty close to his tone of voice, so, Rinpoche, what do you think of Chicago? <laughs> and then Ripochet said, it doesn't make any difference what I think of Chicago. He turned around and walked away. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I just was glad it wasn't me that said anything to him. <laughs> well, that was pretty terrifying. I I can take another question if there's one left, if not. Kevin Bowing. Go ahead, Kevin. Uh, As I've gone along the path, I've felt some panic around missing the relative life. I always thought I would bleed. (laughs) How do I contrast missing my life as you're framing it versus missing the life my ego wants for me, Bowing? So uh, I, I hear the question, but I'm not sure exactly what you want to know, what do what you want to know, rather than uh, go back and forth, is there something you want to know about that, that I can possibly respond to in a helpful way? I guess how, how can the path su- support one's expectations falling apart, bowing? I think it's done with the awareness that we ha- one has to retrain oneself to, to receive because we're constantly producing everything, ideas and thoughts and judgments, opinions. Everyone here is listening to me and is producing ideas or thoughts, positive, negative, neutral about this old teacher. You can't help it. And you might be producing them and you might uh, second guess them. You might say, well, that's probably not true. Or you might say that's very you, you, just a constant uh, production of everything uh, rather than just receive. If you're just receiving what I'm saying, you won't understand what I'm saying. You think you understand what I'm saying? This is production. Don't conclude anything. Just, just receive. Just observe. If, if it's necessary for you to understand, it'll be at your fingertips immediately. Don't believe that. You consider it. Consider it. So the best thing, uh, the best, uh, uh, most important advice I could give to you personally—I might not say this to everybody, but I also may say it to everyone—is sit a lot. In other words, get your body, mind complex that's running around, or laying in bed sound to sleep, or running to the shower, or running down the hallway, or going to the store, or talking to your friends. Or talking to Raul, or you know any kind of a chatter. <laughs> and I, I know I know Raoul doesn't chatter. It's you're the chatterer. He's right. Oh, I chatter. Raul <laughs> Oh, he's back there somewhere. Huh? <laughs> okay, okay, Raul, I'll, I'll. You can be the chatterer. <laughs> but get your get your butt get your body mind complex to a place where you're sitting still and not doing anything other than watching what continues to move or ramp up. Simply but it's just shikantaza, traditional teaching that's been around for centuries. Just just precisely this. Hold very still and watch the movement and do a lot of it, do a lot of it so that, so that you're very, very aware of what the production, the, what, how the mind just spontaneously keeps coughing things up. Some of them are very intelligent thoughts, analyses, about yourself, about others, about the Dharma, but it's necessary to not to stop that, to be, but to be very aware of how that production happens, so you can eventually see, and this is what I'm leading up to, that there's no producer, you have to watch the production until you just see. You can't, you can't find a producer. If you turn to it, then we tend to build a little bit of a, a credential out of it. Well, I can't really see, so does that mean that I'm kind of getting beyond my ego somehow? Probably not. Okay. Bang. Okay, since it's you, I'm going to have one. <laughs> Anybody else, I would stop you, but not you. I want to hear what you have to say. Go ahead. Is not missing life defined by awakening? What Bang. Is not missing life Defined by awakening. If I'm understanding your question, I would have to respond to it by saying not missing your life is an instruction or a a recommendation to help you as a teaching to help you uh, uh, return to the awareness of what is happening rather than the awareness of what you think is happening. The awareness of what is actually occurring rather than what you think is occurring. Your ideas, your concepts, your analysis, your judgment, your evaluation, your presumptions, your projections, blah, blah, blah. It's about seeing what it fundamentally is. And that's still path, it's not, it's not fruition. Fruition doesn't, you, there is no description for that. If you're describing anything, it's still path. The fruition is, uh, if, you, if you want a word, it's beyond. It's beyond wisdom, wisdom beyond wisdom. It's wisdom beyond wisdom. There is no no place to settle down anywhere. Thank you all. Thank you. Hi, this is Chiezon, the prior at Sokokoji Buddhist Monastery. Sokazan offers these talks without expecting anything in return. If you value these talks and would like them to continue, please visit our donate page at www.sokokoji.org. Thank you.